morning. Let's start there. Come on in, let's get ready for church, grab a seat if you would, jump up on your feet this morning. We're gonna we're gonna enter into some praise and worship this morning. But just uh just open that prayer. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to be in your house this morning and gather together in your name. And I pray everything we do today, it glorifies you and honors you that you are our focal point this morning. So as we worship you, we fellowship together, we spend time in your word, Lord. I just pray that you're here with us. We know that you are, but I pray just your presence is manifest among us this morning. And we just worship you this morning in Jesus' name. Everybody says,
Okay, no, you got the information. So please, if you got a fifth and twelfth grader, see Josh, you got a commission slip and all sorts of stuff. What what dates is it? December 17th through December 18th. Okay, so 17th through the 18th. Lock in other words all night long. Now, having said that, I'm not coming, all right? I'm like, wait, I'm y'all way past that stuff. Anyway, <laughs> thank goodness for Josh and these readers. They're gonna take care of that. So uh, see here for information. Also, don't forget, December the 11th, Saturday morning, uh, we have a men's breakfast at 9 a.m. Sign up for that. Uh, we have a Christmas party, December the 19th, okay? So that's going to be a fun day after church. Uh, we're heading over to, to the village. We're going to have a, a Christmas party there. So we'll be more details about that after Thanksgiving. And obviously, our, our yearly Christmas Eve service uh, is coming on uh, 24th and 6th So. Those are announcements. We'll, after we get back to Thanksgiving, we'll tell you more details about all the stuff in the <laughs> So if you have your Bible, get it out. And uh, by the way, at the end of church today, um, we're going to have a, a little family time, a little family meeting, okay? Nothing to worry about, nothing big deal, but on Monday, the Lord dropped in my heart to share about something. Again, nothing to worry about. Uh, so you don't have to stay, but what's going to happen is when church is over, I would like the kids' church workers to be up here. So if you're a parent, run, rush to get your kids, get them up here so that way our kids' church team can be here. I want to address uh, unity in the church as it pertains to vaccines and different things that are happening around us. And I'm going to address it with the Holy Spirit prompt me today. So right now, church, again, nothing to worry about, nothing big. I think more of a reminder than anything. But whenever the Holy Spirit prompts me, I got to listen to what he says. Amen. So, Amen. The church is over. We'll shut off live stream. Get our kids up here. So everybody's here in five minutes. Just want to talk. All right. Having said that, Luke chapter number twelve. We have the Bible. We're talking about the provision of God. God is faithful. Amen. Amen. And God is good. And we live in the provision of God because He is faithful and He is good. Amen. How many of you could tell stories about how God has provided for you? He's made ways where it seemed like there's no way. I mean, God is just that way. He is our provider. So last Sunday we started on that Wednesday. We did kind of a part B for last Sunday. Um, but just to recap, just to hear, remember, in the, in the beginning, God created. Amen. And you notice he makes man in his image on the sixth day. Day before, the day of rest, seventh day, right? But what did he do all leading up to when he made man on the sixth day? He made everything that ultimately is provision for man that he's placed on this earth. Provision in God because he's faithful and he's good always is in front of you. God provides. So he makes a world for us to dig in and live on and increase and multiply. Amen. But before he put man here to do that, he made, he made plants, he made animals, he made seasons, all the different things that made this a habitable planet. He made it so we could be here. God's provision always goes in front of us. And every time you walk outside, you look out the windows, you see some trees, you see some grass, different things. Anything that man has not made, that God made, that's still in existence, still growing, is a continual working of the original miracle in the beginning God created. Amen. That, that's why it's good. I say this a lot. That's why it's good. 
to get out of what God, man has made and spend time in what God has made because remind you how big he is, how powerful he is, and he's the provider. When I get out in the woods or nature, I hike and do different things, at some point I'm struck by this fact, my goodness. What I can see here, whether I'm looking this way or certainly looking up, is only a very, very, very small fraction of what is actually out there. You know that? And if God can do this, my goodness, what, what, what is he limited to? Certainly, he, he cares for me. And if he can do this, then certainly he can be my provider. Certainly, he put all this in front of us for us to cultivate and have, right? The, the very first vocation of man was dominion in the world, right? In other words, care of, of what he's given us. Amen. So that provision is always in front of us. God is faithful. He's good. He's provider. But there is a danger to that. In your purse, I'm sure. Now, now, this is the marriage relationship. My pockets are empty other in a minute. You have some money. What? <laughs> this is very unusual. You don't have a dollar bill in there? <laughs> no cash for <whatsoever. laughs> <That hard time. laughs> Who's got a dollar bill I can borrow? <laughs> well, she had change, but still more than I had. Anyway. Money bag. Okay, <laughs> the danger of the provision of God and what God has given us. You know that, that everything in this world, God actually gave it to us? Didn't it? The danger, and ultimately this is just one representation that we have in our society, our country. The danger is that this becomes a God. Yes. That this is something that fights for your allegiance. That you end up with this tussle in your life of serving both God and money, and ultimately it does not work because that means this is idolatrous. That's the danger of the provision of God. So when God created the world, did he put gold in it? Yes. Sure. It was there, and the man found it valuable, and it becomes basis for economy and different things like this. It, it can become what it's not supposed to be. Provision is never to be served. Provision is supposed to be in its place in your life, subservient to you. It's useful until it gets out of place. So when we talk about the provision of God, we have to talk about that this word that we find in the Bible, we don't talk a lot about it, is the word content. You can think of the Christian virtues that are out there, okay, that we talk about love, right? Uh, you can talk about kindness and goodness of the true spirit. I believe, in, in especially in a first world country, in our day and age, and our, our mode of, of uh, economy in our country is capitalism, right? Capitalism is driven by what? Spending this, correct? And we think it's a good system, and I'm not making any judgment there, but the point is, in our society, in our system, we have to talk about a virtue of the Christian life being contentment. Or else this stuff gets out of whack and out of place in your life. And we end up chasing it. We end up uh, 
thinking really that ultimately what it means to be successful in this world is to have a lot of this. Or a lot of stuff. You ever hear the phrase, whoever dies with most toys wins? You ever hear that? Now the American dream, which is wonderful, is freedom through happiness, but sometimes that, that gets turned over and that this is success in our society, right here. The bigger your bank account, the more stuff you have, the nicer things that you have, then that is what life ultimately is about. But we know that God says different things in the Bible. Is that true? He said through the prophet Micah, um, do what is good. What is good? What is the good life? Justice and mercy. That's how you treat other people. And walking humbly with your God. That, that's the good life. He didn't say anything about this. Right? So, I'll give this back, Mike, I promise. But, um, so contentment is important. So, to be content, it's a very simple definition. Contentment is a source of satisfaction or a certain place of peace. That right here, you have a sense of satisfaction and you have a sense of peace. That is contentment. So, what we'll read later about Paul, Paul writes that he is content in all circumstances. That no matter the situation of your life, good, bad, in the middle, uh, finances are just readily there, or struggle, that contentment is no matter your circumstance, you have a sense of satisfaction and peace in your heart. This is a Christian virtue that needs to be in the church, in our society. Now, now, let me just say this. I don't, I don't want to qualify myself every time I say something about this message. Let me say this. God is a provider. I believe that God is God's blessing. I believe that God is God that can prosper you. I'll tell you why I believe that. Because if you came to me and said, look, we're struggling with our finances. A lot of stuff came up we were prepared for, or, 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 or job changes, or, or whatever's happening in your life. I would pray that God would bless you. That God would make a way where there seems to be no way financially. We believe that. Well, you can't pray that unless you believe that God blessed people. And we can't pray that unless we believe that God prospered people. So I believe in that. I believe, I believe uh, it, it's, it's okay to, to uh, chase after you know, uh, promotions and raises and, and having a savings account. Uh, you know, retirement, um, wanting to store things up for your children and your grandchildren. Those things are all great. It's okay as long as it's not turning into an item. I believe all those things. We do. We can invest. We have savings. You know, many times through our life, you know, we see increase. But we don't want to fall into the trap. That is actually a successful life by Christian definition. And as long as I have this, that means I made it. That's not scriptural. Amen. So contentment, no matter your situation, no matter your circumstance, that you have a satisfaction and a peace in your life, no matter what. So Luke chapter 12, let's just get to our scripture. We're going to jump around a little bit today. Luke chapter 12, and verse, verse number 13. So someone in the crowd said to him, to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. 
And family problems with money stand back to the beginning of time. Y'all you know what I'm talking about. All right. So you got brothers that are fighting over money. But Jesus said to him, man, who made you judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care. Now watch this. Take care and be on your guard against all kinds of covetousness. Or you can put the word greed right there. Be on your guard against greed. Now watch what Jesus said. Because this is the whole deal right here. For one's life does not. Everybody say does not. Does not. Say it again. Does not. Does not. Does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Amen. The quality, the success of your life does not, according to Jesus, Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was God in the beginning. That's Jesus. Through Him all things were made. So in other words, Jesus, the God, has the Trinity is part of creation. In the beginning, God created, that's all. Jesus was there at creation. Through Him all things were made. Nothing that was made that was made through, was not made through Him. The one who put provision in front of you, that is your provider, is saying, but just remember, your life does not consist in the abundance of what you have. That, that is not qualified who you are in him. Amen. Go and watch what he says. And of course, as he does, and he told them a parable, saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Amen. Blessed, right? And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? In other words, he was having such a great harvest season, he didn't have room to contain the harvest, what he already had. The barns that he had couldn't contain it. It was overflowing. So he thought to himself, what do I do about this? And he said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. Notice the word there, my, my, my. I'll store all my grain. I'm going to store all my goods. Now, let me just say this. Everything that is was made by whom? Whom does it belong to? Okay, I understand the possession thing, but at the same time, you being my, 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 it kind of puts you in a place where, man, look how good I do. And look at all my stuff. And look how successful I am. So I don't know if we said this Wednesday or last Sunday, but remember, even, even in your tithe and your offering, you know, you tithe 10% of your increase, right? But God still is the one who's in charge of the 90% that's left. Anything that's increasing your life is his. Because he's the one who created it. You're just working what he made. Amen? Amen. So he wants to build bigger barns for all the things that, that he has. And verse 19, and I will say to my soul, now watch, that this increase affected his soul. You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool. This night the soul is required of you. 
and the things you have prepared, well, whose will they be? In other words, all this different stuff that you have, eventually it doesn't amount to a lot. So there was a song, uh, roll over here, uh, Johnny Cash sang a song two years ago called Dirt. Do you know that song? It is the spray empire of dirt, right? You, you can build all this different stuff and have all these different things, but ultimately it's an empire of dirt. Because they will return to the dust from which God made it from. Amen? He says then, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Well, how are we rich towards God? We love him. We love our neighbor. We do what is right with what we have. So increase in your life isn't to store and have and say, wow, look at my great success. I'm all for <coughs> saving. I'm all for you, you, you investing. I'm all for you having retirement. But your satisfaction of life is not found there, nor is it the, the foundation of your provision. Remember when we talked last week, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, then they're in the desert, and they were upset. What are we going to eat? Then God started providing manna and quail. And remember, they couldn't gather more than what they could eat in a day, except the sixth day, the, the last of the seventh day. And every day, if they tried to keep more than they could use in one day, it rotted and spoiled, and they couldn't have it. Every day, God is trying to remind us, I am your provider. No matter how much you have laid up, no matter how much you have stored up, no matter how much you have invested, God is your provider. What happens is, the reason the Bible says it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven is because of self-reliance. Well, look at me, look what I have, look what I've done. I can relax and rest in what I have done. And it takes God out of the equation. What contentment does is it keeps us from thinking that our life consists in the abundance of our possessions. As a matter of fact, contentment pushes back against greed. So Philippians chapter 4. Let's go through Paul in a verse that, that many of you are familiar with. So Philippians chapter 4. And let's uh, see verse number 10. Here's Paul writing. Paul's been through a lot. He's been through the ups and downs of taking the gospel to the world. And he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Now at length, now that at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. You were concerned for Paul, but really didn't have an opportunity to do something about their concern. Verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in me, watch this, for I have learned that whatever situation I am in, to be content. <coughs> I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. <coughs> in other words, he's had times where he had little, and there's times where he had much. Now watch this, in, every, in any and every circumstance, I have <laughs> learned the secret of facing plenty, and hunger, abundance, and need. So the context of what Paul's talking about is, well, finances, having stuff, food, clothing, and so forth. Now here's the verse that everybody knows, but here's the context of it. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yes. 
The context of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, if even if I'm in a bad place, I can still be provided for it and make it for God's with me. Yes. The context that verse is having or not having. No matter your situation, where you're at, if you can be content in place of satisfaction and peace, we will always remember, I'm going to make it. Because I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. You see that? So contentment is extremely important. Those who are content are able to give thanks in all circumstances because in all circumstances they can be satisfied and have peace. See that? Those who are content can give thanks in all circumstances because in all circumstances you have a place of satisfaction and peace in your life. It, could the world do some contentment? Sometimes the lack of contentment even turns into this thing. It's even beyond grief. I'm just spending and accumulating just for the sake of spending and accumulating. It turns into a habit life. See, those who are not content do not overflow in thanksgiving because what they have is never enough and they simply overlook what they do have. A lack of contentment you never feel like you have enough, and you often overlook the things that you do have. <laughs> we, we get this thing of, of, of comparison, keeping up with our next door neighbors. So I told the story before. When we first got married. Uh, I was a, a uh, you were working for a state insurance. We had wonderful insurance, but you weren't getting paid a lot. And I was a volunteer youth pastor, and I was framing houses during the day. So we're making money, but not a lot. So we were living. <laughs> We were living in a, an apartment, an upstairs apartment in an old house, right? With no central air, and you know heat rises, so the summer blazing hot up there. Even winter years, wasn't taking care of it. Um, and we just didn't have a lot. Cars that drove, but they just drove, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we didn't have a, a kitchen table, so when we got married, one of the gifts we got at our wedding was a, a, a cooler, a blue cooler. That was our kitchen table. She packed food, we sit down and sit in the cooler. That, that was our place of meetings. Um, we just didn't have a lot. Our bedroom door, check this out, this is amazing. You can have a lot of fun with this. But our bedroom door was a saloon door. Or no door, it was like a saloon door. Now, anyway, um, but we had some friends, a guy I graduated high school with and we hung out a lot. They had it all. Big house, newer cars. He actually had a grill. I was jealous. We go over to his house just we could grill. Um, they had all this different stuff, and there was always a temptation to try to keep up with them. Which would have meant different jobs, all sorts of changes of life, and ultimately falling out of the calling. You see what I mean? See, a lot of times comparison or seeing stuff out there advertising, your, your kids getting your Christmas and they start asking for it. Where do you see all this stuff? What's being advertised? Where? I don't know where to see if they're asking for stuff. Advertising. I mean, things are out there and there's always this drive to have. Amen. But we've got to learn to be content. That whatever situation there is in the place that God has called you, then you know that no matter what, even in the tough and rough times, that God is your provider and you can do all things through Him who gives you strength. Amen. 
So finances never get out of the place that it's supposed to be in your life. You know, uh, you know what greed does? Greed, I know some things bad about greed. Greed is this. Greed is ultimately sacrificing important things to have material things. Greed, greed ultimately chases wealth. Greed also, by the way, has things to do with power. That's another thing. But sometimes we sacrifice important things to have material things. Um, greed kind of turns into this black hole self. It's just about having and, and, and I don't know, the things that, that you think, well, if I just had this, my life would be so much better. And you get that and you go, well, that's nice. But if I really just had this, if I would really be better, and then you get that, and, and, and oh, wait a minute, well, 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 maybe if I really had this, you see what I'm saying, it just turns into this just black hole self, always wanting. Greed makes us miss things in life that are so important while we try to gain things that we think life will be better because Greed thinks that I'll be happy and make others happy by the accumulation and having. You see, Ephesians 5.5, Justice, if you'll throw that up there. Ephesians 5.5. Here, here's Paul writing again. <coughs> Ephesians 5.5. It says, For uh, you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, impure, or who is covetous. Now, you think about this. Greed is put on the same level of sexual immorality and impurity. That's the danger of if it's to your soul. And that is an idolatry. So in other words, this turned into idolatry. Those people have no inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and God. Now, now wait a second. Think about the word inheritance there. What is that? Something being given to me that ultimately provides. Where would you store up treasure? Heaven. Heaven. Why? Because you can't take that. Rust, rust and moth can't destroy. Thieves can't come in and steal it. There is an inheritance coming for those who don't make this an idol. For all the things you're trying to achieve with this, we inherit anyway. All, all the satisfaction, everything you need for, for eternity. It wouldn't have. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the son of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. So there's a danger of grief. So contentment pushes back against greed. That, that's, that's one thing. The second thing is that contentment keeps anxiety and worry about having things in check. So let's go back to where we were last week just for a minute. Matthew chapter 6. And let's see where we want to jump in here. Verse 25. So contentment pushes back against greed. But contentment also keeps anxiety and worry in check. Matthew 6, 25, Sermon on Mount. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. 
What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on, is life not more important than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They either sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Now, now notice the whole gathering of the barns right there versus what we talked about in Luke. This guy was still worried about building bigger barns and gathering stuff into it. And he's saying, look at the birds of the air. They take no worry about this stuff. Yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you so anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and your toil more spent. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which stands alive and far from into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you, of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, those who don't believe in God, seek after these things. And your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day in some trouble. So there, there's a couple verses that, you know, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And here in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom and the righteousness. We, we hear these verses so much out here, you both of them are in the context of don't worry about finances. Be content. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. God's got you. If you don't make this into an idol, God has the opportunity to provide for you. But the moment you chase this as an idol, it becomes what you serve. It goes on to say, you cannot serve both God and money. So contentment, it keeps you from greed. It keeps you from the anxiousness of having and worry. And the last thing is this, contentment allows you to be a giver. We're going to talk about that next week. Contentment allows you to be a giver. Amen. So one more verse and we'll close out today. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. First Timothy chapter number six and, and verse number five. It says, in constant friction, pick up this sentence. Constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of truth. Imagine that godliness is a means of gain. Now, let's stop right there. We talked about this Wednesday. If you weren't here, you missed it. It was a good one. Wednesday, remember the story of the feeding of 5,000? It's recorded in all gospel. Gospel John says something that don't say. Gospel John says, after being in 5,000, those who he fed tried to find him, force him to be king. They were trying to make Jesus king for the wrong reasons. That's danger. And Paul is saying that here and saying, look, the provision of God and the blessing of God can get twisted into that godliness is now a means of gain. 
I'm saying? That my whole reason of begging him and serving him is so he can give me stuff and bless me. As a matter of fact, Mark would break faith is all, again, your bank account, what you have, what you drive, and the, and the house you live in, all the different stuff. And that, that's the furthest thing from the truth. <coughs> faith in God is provision. Give us this day our daily bread. And whether provision beyond that, then we don't build bigger barns to store our stuff in. What we do is that means everything. Right? So we don't turn godliness into a means of gain. Well, well, God, I'm serving you. You have to bless me. You have to do this for me. As if, again, we were saying this Wednesday, as if God is the great ATM machine in the sky, I hope God you for your prayers or your fasting or my, my church attendance or how much you read the Bible, then God has to give whatever number you punch in on the ATM machine. It'll work like that. You don't, you don't pray and fast and get into the Word and come to church. You don't do that to butter God up so He gives you what you want. You do those things so you can get to know Him and get closer to Him. That you don't confuse the giver and the gift. And all you're seeking is always the gift and never the giver. And all of a sudden things are out of whack and things are out of place. Now again, can you ask and pray? Oh, absolutely, 100%, but don't get the things confused. So godliness is not a means to gain, but watch what he says. <coughs> but godliness, in other words, the character of living like God with contentment is great gain. In our world, growing to be like him, and in the midst of that, learning how to be content is great gain. Notice he says then, you will take nothing out of this world that you brought into it. Verse 8, but if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Yes. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that push people into ruin and destruction. <coughs> For the love of money is the roots of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that many have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God or a woman of God, flee these things. Yes. The desire for riches is a temptation that has caused many people to fall away from the faith and opens you up to all sorts of stuff. Contentment is great value. So, in our life, so just an example. Again, we can tell a lot of stories where God has provided. And, and where, let's understand something. And this, this is highly because of, of we live in the United States of America. What we have today is much, much greater than we have when I told you a story about where we were before. Amen. Nothing wrong with that. But that has not been the pursuit of life. Okay? And as, as, as we look towards it, I'm getting to the place I've got to make sure there's some things happening for retirement. And, and, and I'm at that place. Um, so, so we think about these things, we, we talk about this stuff. Again, with in mind knowing that no matter what, we're going to be content. I got food to eat, I got clothes to wear, thank Jesus. All right, I, I got a roof over my head. 
I have the necessities of life. And I find that if you can be in a place where, you know what, I'm satisfied. I'm at peace. Life is good. God has provided. God will provide. And I will not sacrifice my family to have more. I, I will not, so, so even with the brother before, so, so my parents are older, we're going to go see my dad this week, he's not doing well. Um, so just my sister and I left, my brother passed away two years ago. When, when it comes to the end of it, there's something my parents leave, I don't care, my sister can have it, she do what she wants. I'm not interested in fighting with, with my sister over, over stuff and money. Not interested in it. You see what I'm saying? A contentment of life it leaves a lot of stuff out. It leaves a lot of worry out. You see what I mean? That again, that if you are seeking the giver, you're after God. You'll be content that you have them. And the biggest place that you understand provision in your life is you saved your soul. He's forgiven you of your sins. And there's nothing greater than to have to have those things. Amen. And there, we talk about freedom, but true freedom is freedom there. And, and if I learn, because the more you're, you're with the giver, the less anxious you get. Because you're always reminded about who he is, what he does. He, he's just there, he walks out and goes, oh gosh, look at this. Oh my goodness. This is incredible. Oh, oh, God's going to watch out for me. He's going to take care of me. I don't have to sell my soul to have this. Because you can gain the whole world and let forfeit your soul. So you, you, you could be uh, in your household, maybe, maybe both people work, maybe it's just one of you. You're just working, 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 but you never see your kids. I'm trying to provide for them. Okay, I get it. Maybe your kids need you. Yes. Not the next gaming system that comes out. Right when it comes out. You see what I'm getting at? That we contentment puts priorities in right perspective. You see what I mean? Contentment says, look what we got. So I was, my daughter. Came back from college a little early uh, because of COVID stuff happening. So, um, so because we're going away, we were actually decorating early for Christmas last night. She allowed it, maybe. So, we drove her tree up last night. She's like anti this stuff until Thanksgiving is like over. Like, to, to the threat of death, okay? So, so if, and I just looked at her and I looked at my daughter and said, Man, we've been so blessed. It's so blessed. Said, yeah, yeah, I know. I want her to always have that contentment. That no matter what, it's okay. No matter what, God's going to provide. Even, even, in, even in a rough time, I can do all things to Christ your strength with me. I'm going to make it. He's never going to leave me. He's going to find a way. Okay? But don't chase after the things. That don't, don't give up your life for things that don't matter. Things that fade away. Things you can't take with you. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Amen? Amen. 
There, there, in the new heaven, new earth, there's not going to be levels of social status. There's not going to be a poor and rich there, you know that? that that's, that's, a, that's a messed up world status, you know that? That's a lost world status. Yeah. We get to the new heaven, new earth, it's not going to be like, hey, here's the fancy part of the, the kingdom. But if you go across the railroad tracks, there's, there's four parts of the kingdom. It's not there. So don't, don't sell your life now because of what is coming. You see? Yes. God's got you. So all this week, it's Thanksgiving week, I will give thanks to the Lord for you to live. I know His love and yours forever. I will, I will recount all the blessings of the Lord. Even if I don't have as much as money for you. Amen. Amen. That's not what it's about. Come on. Let me pray. You guys catch what I'm saying? Yes. 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 Respect. Yes. Oh, Jesus, help us. I pray. I pray we, we come into such a faith in you that you help us just to make sure we're not greedy or we get the wrong perspective of what a good life is. Lord, Lord we, we, we do praise you for your provision, your blessings. We praise you that you never forget about us, never leave us. And we stand in firm belief you're always going to see us through. Well, I thank you for that. And I praise you for that. In Jesus, your wonderful name. Everybody says, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. So, if you want to stay, you don't have to stay. Just about five minutes. But if you're a parent, please go grab your kids or keep your workers to come up here. I'm going to take five minutes to play dress up for my heart. It's all good. But we'll get you out of here pretty fast.